uh, making it the first self-contained jet ski in the world. If you're running low on sewer gas, simply run over a turtle and suck his mutant brains out. Oh my goodness! Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> Good lord! And then they censored out nunchucks. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, but brain vacuums is one thing, but nunchucks get oh, rid of. Oh, get that out! That's get that's, out of that's here! That's crazy. <laughs> Take off. <laughs> Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtle Flakes, a bodacious bowl of Ninja Turtles goodness. Brought to you by my radical dudes, Rob and Jock. Cowabunga! Cowabunga, dudes and dudettes, and welcome to another episode of Turtle Flakes. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob, and joining with me, as always, is my main man, my partner in Ninja Turtle Crime, Josh O'Rourke. Hi, everyone. I'm the other... You're the other Josh. Co- I'm the other host. Yay. <laughs> Here I am. That intro sucked. I'm sorry. That was my bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, not any worse than usual. Like, oh, I, I have to... Not even worse than that. <laughs> Like, I have to be funny, Yeah. but it's just not something I can do. Yeah, it's, you know? it's too early. It's too early. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, how have you been lately, my friend? Uh, not too bad. Been, uh, been really busy, doing a lot of writing, doing a lot of... Uh, you know, getting ready for. I want to start doing some toy reviews for our site, so uh, for oh, our podcast cool. here. So I've got some stuff coming within the next few months that I'll be very happy to talk about. Turtles related, or yeah, turtle related. Yeah, I know. I'm so jealous of your collection. You have way, way nicer toys than I do. <laughs> I just want to come well, over to your house and play with your toys. <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime, man. That's no problem. Um, yeah, you know, I. I'm really just kind of putting myself through the ringer of like, what do I want to get? Mm-hmm. And it was like, because I, I I wanted to like save up money and get a really high end collectible uh, version of the turtles. Like, there's this company, this toy manufacturer called Three Zero that puts out amazing Ninja Turtle figures, hmm. and like they're based on the 2014 movie and they're super articulate, very very detailed, and they're all one quarter scale so they're about ah. 16 to 18 inches tall and three zero is also putting out another set of turtles that were actually designed by kevin eastman and i'd posted this on facebook and they're 200 dollars per figure oh good lord pre-order so that's probably that isn't even a guaranteed price <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's like, and i'm thinking to myself okay if i buy them all That'd be about eight hundred bucks, probably another hundred bucks in shipping for them. So I got to save almost a thousand dollars. Three years later, I just can't. It was like because I was thinking about it. It's like I'll pull out fifty bucks every paycheck and just put it in my drawer. So like in a year, I'll have a thousand dollars to just spend on whatever. Yeah. But then I'm thinking to myself, I can't spend a thousand dollars on toys. <laughs> If I if I'm gonna spend a thousand dollars on something, I want it to have an engine, you know. <laughs> yep, I understand. It's just I just can't do it. So I was like, "What is the limit?" 
that I'd be willing to spend on something. And I was like, okay, I can't go over a hundred bucks for something. You know, it's just, right. it's just, I just can't do it. Cause I feel bad about the money that I've spent on the figures that I have or the statues that I have, or even the comics. Like you want to buy some like super rare comic books. Like I have the, uh, collected editions of the original 1980s Mirage comics and I don't want to admit how much those cost me trying to find them. You know, it's just I have a very patient wife. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say she must be very very supportive. Uh, for me, like I, I'll tell you, it's it's hard to. I have the same thing. It's it's hard to justify spending that much money when you're thinking, oh boy, well, I could just double up on our car payment, or you know, I could double up on our rent, you know, or, or mortgage. Exactly. And you're like, oh man. So I think my my biggest priority is when we move out of this place. I want to just at least invest in a nice, like, glass case uh, that has several shelves on it to just kind of showcase all my turtles, my loose figures and stuff. I think that's the thing I want to invest in the most. And that might cost a few bucks, but it'll make the room look a lot nicer because right now my room is kind of cluttered with a lot of uh, electronics and classic games and all the turtle stuff. And it's not really organized. It's like, okay, I got room for one loose figure over here. I've got room for three (laughs) over here. And I got my whole window cell full, uh, full of them, but um, I, you know, I just want to make it look a little bit neater and organized. You know what really uh, helped me out is for a bunch of my 1980s classic figures that I have, I bought an acrylic display case that's meant for uh, basketballs. Oh, no way. So, yeah. it's uh, Let me see if you can see it. Let me pull up the camera. Yeah. That's meant for displaying an NBA regulation size basketball. They have some that are made for footballs. They have, you know, and those are really, they're really sturdy. They're really dependable. They don't smudge. I mean, you're going to get fingerprints on them, but it's never noticeable. Right, right. And when I put the figures in there, you can buy, like 3M makes these, they're called glue dots. They're like these little adhesive circle dots, basically, that are basically glue. And I put them. Uh, I put a couple on the bottoms of each foot on each figure, and just stand them, and they just stay there. Wow! It's no kidding. It's, yeah, and that, the case, this case right here, was forty bucks. That's not bad. And I've got like twelve figures in there, so you get four or five of those. You can hold almost all the figures that they have in the original Playmates run. That's yeah. nice, man. That's that's. See, there's there's a method to your madness. Yeah, and then you can then you can like get really into it like I do. It's like this is the turtles case, this right. is the meat animals case, this is the Foot Clan case, and this is the alien case. And you know, you know what you need to do for our listeners? What's that? Go through with a camera one of these days and just show some of the things you have. You know, because I know you've taken pictures, but I'd love to see a video, just kind of a collective thing of all your toys. Because I, you know, I, I don't even know how many you have. I know it's I know it's more than me. <laughs> yeah, you know what I could do is like just do a just do a small video of like a figure of the week or something like that. Just do a mini toy review with it. Yeah, that's a great I think idea. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe maybe I will do that. Just like every weekend, just film a video on my phone or something and just upload it. So I just get really kind of ghetto about it. And just like nah, here we go. Oh, yeah. well, hey, well, ghetto is our middle name. Well, you know, I mean, we may be. I mean, you may be from the streets. <laughs> I mean, I was born on A Street, but not the street. Sesame you know? Street, sorry. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, you take one look at me, and it's just like, nope, that dude's a snitch. So, <laughs> Get him. <laughs> Get him, yeah. It's yeah. like, I don't even live here. What did I do? Oh, I know it, man. So uh, have you gotten any new new pickups uh, this week so far? 
Actually, yeah, I've got a... Here we go talking about, oh, I need to save some money. Hey, here's a new figure I bought. <laughs> I have the uh, NECA April O'Neil figure. Ooh. And it's it was a Comic-Con exclusive back in 2009. And... I feel like I have to defend myself. It was it was twenty eight dollars, so wow, it was. That's cheap. I'll just say that I found it on Amazon. It was really cheap. I don't know if people kind of worry about me. It's like this dude shops a lot. <laughs> what does he do? Yeah, dude, come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, the I got the NECA April and Neo figure, and it's straight from the Mirage comics. She's got the blue uh, jumper on from when she was an intern. Does she have the big hair? No, she's got the straight hair. She didn't have like the big uh, share perm or anything like that. <laughs> so, and she comes with two Mauser figures. Oh, uh, cool! One's a fully intact Mauser, and one's been chopped in half. Oh so, no way! That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I had those Mausers for like two seconds, and my son asked for them. <laughs> Just my the son Vincent was like, my son Vincent was looking at him. I was like, "You like those, don't you?" He says, "Yeah." I said, "Here you go." He's like, "Thank you," and ran off to his room. <laughs> so those are gone. Oh, very cool. I took a picture of them, and I was like, that's all I need. That's all I need. We're good. That's all I need for bragging rights. <laughs> yeah. That's proof, man. Absolutely. When has photographic evidence ever been tampered with? <laughs> oh, never. So for me, I've not really gotten a whole lot of turtle pickups, but one really cool thing that I got was um, it's kind of funny how it worked. I was reading – I was in preparation for the show reading uh, Turtles Universe, and I look at the back – inside cover and I see all the variant covers and I see one done by our friend of the show um, Mark Pellegrini uh, that has TM, TMNT Entity he does a huge it's a blog site dedicated to the cartoons the comic books um, I think he even reviews some of the toys I did not know that was his site that's cool oh yeah yeah so Mark's been a friend of our uh, of the show for quite some time mm -hmm. and I was like wait a minute I know that guy so I reached out to him <laughs> and he has a I guess he works with a friend named Tim for this company called Ninja Inc. Uh -huh. uh, and I got a card. It's a really cool-looking shredder card, but it's got a Ninja Inc. on the front, and it says Martial Arts and Crafts. But somehow they had designed the cover, a variant cover of Turtles Universe, and it's in the style of the um, box art for the original Nintendo game, which I, think, cool. which I think was technically a cover from one of the old Mirage series, too. Number four. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the uh, Nintendo box art was an alternate cover for issue four. That's right. That's right. With the Triceratons, right? Yeah, when they went back to find Splinter or went to whatever dimension. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was a beautiful cover. And uh, yeah, and this one looks fantastic. So, and then uh, Mark and Tim they signed it and uh, drew a little turtle on it. So I thought that was really cool. But other than that, that's been about it, man. So uh, we did get a really nice email. Uh, if you don't care for me to read it on the show here, it's a long one, but it's a good one. And it... uh, Before you do that, I just wanted to uh, promote one thing real quick. Oh, yes. Um, there is a – I was putting this all over Facebook page – or all over Facebook page – all over Facebook the other day, uh, yesterday, in fact. There is a visual effects makeup artist who is trying to make a Ninja Turtles fan film called Blood Brothers. And he is making a film – which is completely 100% practical effects. And this Love film's that. going to include a very brief list. It's going to include all four turtles, Splinter, April, Casey Jones, Shredder, the Foot Clan, Krang, Usagi Ojimbo, Fugitoid, Bebop, Rocksteady, Triceratons. And he's wow. going to, he's done all, he's got a YouTube channel. 
um, called Blood Brothers. I believe it's called Blood Brothers. Yeah, it is. And he's got videos of him showcasing all of the costumes and masks and suits that he has made on his own in his free time. He's been working on this thing for years. And he's got an Indiegogo site or page put up for crowdfunding because he you know he needs uh help funding the film he is he has a stretch goal of forty thousand dollars uh this thing went live yesterday um i haven't contributed yet i'm going to uh contribute later on this week um but i will be putting that on the turtle flakes uh facebook page again uh the bargain bin radio facebook page my own facebook page for people that are listening but yeah it's a really cool guy who has a lot of passion for the ninja turtles he said that the original, he put out a video yesterday that the original film, the 1990 film, was what inspired him to become a visual effects artist. Oh, no uh, way. Um, so, yeah, he wants to uh, put this film out. Depending on how much, you, uh, um, how much you contribute, you'll get a certain you know, prize for it. Like if you put in $20, you'll get a DVD of the film when it comes out. Put in forty dollars, you'll get a T-shirt, and then it gets crazy. If you put in two hundred dollars, you'll get a Casey Jones mask. Oh, cool! If you put in five hundred, you'll get a Shredder mask. You know, so that he's made. So, and it it goes up and up and up. But like, I'm not telling anyone what the how much to put in. Put in what you want. But this is a guy that's got a lot of passion for the films that he wants for the film that he wants to make. I think it's pretty cool. I will be contributing to it. So, just for anyone that wants to know. Go to Indiegogo, find the page for Ninja Turtles Blood Brothers. It looks like it will be really cool, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and quite an ambitious cast of characters there, too. My goodness. And he built all these suits himself in his spare time. I mean, Uh, that's commitment. I know, no kidding, no kidding. And they look great. Right, and then just $40,000, I'm thinking, with with all that cast and and the actors and everything, that's impressive. Yeah. And if, if uh, anyone wants to know what he's capable of, he's got a teaser a teaser trailer for the Blood Brothers film featuring Bebop and Rocksteady. And on his channel, he's got a fan film for Marvel Zombies that he made. Awesome. awesome. It, it, he's a super talented guy. So you can find his stuff on, like, he's worked on films like Firefly, or uh, the TV show Firefly. He's, he's had a lot of experience. So. Wow, that's that's terrific. Yeah, I'll have to check it out too because I I heard about it yesterday when I saw you post that link, but I've not really looked at it yet. But when you yeah. said all those characters, I was like, dang. So yeah, and Baxter Stockman's going to be in it, the fly version of Baxter Stockman. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, yeah and his cr- his crank looks amazing too. <laughs> cool, that's awesome, man. I'll I'll definitely check that out, and I'll also put a link in the show notes for it too. Awesome. Okay. All right, so we, we have an excellent, really, really awesome email that I wanted to read. It's from a friend of ours named Philip Allen, and he's all the way in the U.K. So uh, it's cool to see or it's cool to hear from a listener uh, you know, overseas. That's, that's pretty neat. Wow. So it's, it's a long one, but it's a good one, so I'll read it here. It says, Hi, guys. I've been listening to your show now for several months and felt compelled to write to tell you just how much I enjoy listening. You guys are so entertaining and enthusiastic, and the amount of effort you put into creating an atmosphere – using the scepter to go to Dimension X or traveling back to 1990, is fantastic. (laughs) You also put out content very regularly, so there's always something fresh from the sewer for me to listen to on my drive to work. First of all, thank you for that, man. That was awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yeah. He says, I'm 36 and from England, so like a lot of TMNT fans my age, 
My first experience of the TMNT was the 80s cartoon. But as you know, over here in the UK, it was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. And while I didn't know that this was something to do with the view of ninjas in a kid's show at the time, I still, to this day, do not know why Michelangelo's nunchucks were censored out considering all the other weaponry in the show. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. It was a street weapon that was like, just they didn't want to promote street violence, I guess. Right, exactly, I guess. Uh, and then it said the same happened with Panthro in Thundercats. Anyways. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. So any, uh, it says, anyways, I remember kids at school started to bring these new action figures in, which were the original Playmates toy line, and I had no idea what it was until people started talking about these hero turtles. And so I didn't actually see the first series. I think the first episode I saw was New York's Shiniest from Season 2, Episode 10. Now I grew up on the 80s, cartoon, 80s cartoons like He-Man, Mask, Thundercats, etc. But I had never experienced love at first sight at a cartoon before. My younger brother and I were hooked. We started watching it whenever it was on, and my dad came home with How It All Began on VHS, which helped us catch up with the backstory. Hmm. As everyone had, uh, had to have a favorite, my brother's was Michelangelo and mine was Raphael. I know you guys love Donatello, but in school, no one liked Donnie because he had a stick. <laughs> it must be an American thing. Americans love Donatello. Very true. You know, but the funny thing is, the more I've been saying that, the more I've found out that there's a lot of people. Like, uh, I was talking to Michael Kelso about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Two Dudes in a Nest, uh, he he was like, man, I didn't know anybody who liked Donatello. I was like, really? Yeah, see, because everyone I knew did. So it's funny how it works. I think when we were all kids, we liked Michelangelo, and then as we got older, we were just like, yeah, Donny can We kind of realized Donatello is the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Turtles would probably all have been dead if it weren't for Donatello. <laughs> yeah, I know. Several times. Several yeah. times over, yeah. So he goes on to say, well, before long, we had lots of action figures, and yes, they were boxed as hero turtles, but Michelangelo still came with his nunchucks, interestingly enough. And at the time, I never picked up on how different the four turtles looked to the show. In fact, the box art as well was very different in look and feel, and had a pretty dark tone with the turtles usually in some kind of peril. The description on the box of my first TMNT vehicle, the foot ski, reads, Yes, you're dredging for fuel, because this mutant machine processes turtle brains into sewer gas. Ugh. Oh my god. <laughs> I think that was in the last Saw film. (laughs) Uh, Making it the first self-contained jet ski in the world. If you're running low on sewer gas, simply run over a turtle and suck his mutant brains out. Oh, my goodness. God. (laughs) (laughs) Good Lord. And then they censored out nunchucks. I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, but brain vacuums is one thing, but nunchucks, get rid of it. Oh, get that out. Get out of here. That's crazy. Take off. (laughs) I don't know if this was a style at the time or whether other toy lines were copying this approach, but I remember my dad saw the card for a Bucky O'Hare toy that I had, which had a similar look and feel to the TMNT box art, with some storm-toed troopers saying, a maim, mangle, and masticate on them, and wasn't happy that I was playing with this stuff. (laughs) In 1990, we took a family trip to the U.S., which is where we found out that they were the Ninja Turtles. And one of the highlights for me at the time was to see the TMNT show at MGM Studios, Florida, where they came along in the van and April sang the theme song whilst the turtles danced around with their weapons. (laughs) I've got lots of photos, but they're at my parents' house, so maybe I can send some another time. We also went uh, to some malls, and I remember being overwhelmed at the size of the shops and the range of products. I can't confirm, but I'm pretty sure that they had toys which weren't out in the U.K. at the same time. So we picked up a few, 
such as the Foot Cruiser, Mike's Sewer Surfer, General Trag, and Slash, name a few. Unfortunately, I lost Slash and Trag at the airport on the way home. Oh, no. Oh, and never did replace them. I've got the Foot Cruiser, though, complete and intact. Well, fast forward to the early 2000s, and I gave away my entire collection to charity, except for the Foot Cruiser. Uh, I regret this now, given how expensive they are in some <laughs> cases, even without the packaging. But I can relate, dude. I know. Oh. I know that struggle. <laughs> oh, Lord. But somewhere, some lucky kid must have gotten nearly the whole toy lineup. Wow. I never watched the 2003 series, as the opening theme put me off. It was so weird and wacky that I couldn't stand it. It's only now that I'm giving it a go and actually really liking it. I'm on Season 1, Episode 3, I think. But now I'm older, and I can afford to collect again, so slowly I'm rebuilding my 80s toy collection. That yeah, sounds like you, Josh. Yeah. While stocking up on the Nick toy range for my son when he's older. He's only six months old, but loves to watch the TMNT with me like Grayson. Very cool. Uh, working my way through the Mirage comics and the IDW comics. But to me, the best thing about the TMNT in this day and age is the Nick show. Uh, I never thought anything could beat the 80s show. But as far as remakes go, it's funny, clever, catchy, and gripping. I'm not sure what age range the show is marketed at, but the amount of adult references in it is astounding. Yeah. For example, while we know that the, the Creep is based on Jason Voorhees, the fight scene between the Creep and Raph in The Creeping Doom, Season 3, Episode 22, is actually the rooftop boxing scene from Friday the 13th, Part 8. <laughs> how, many, how many kids would get that? <laughs> So, I think you would mention that to me the last time we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Like I never, I never would have got that. So, uh, so he says. So I think it's meant to appeal for all ages, much like The Simpsons, and therein lies its success, I guess. Anyway, I've rambled on for far too long, but wanted to tell you how much I enjoy the show and how much it helps to bring all those awesome TMNT memories back. Thank you. Kind regards, Phil. P.S. I know it's a long email, but you're welcome to read it on the show if you like. Oh, well, I'm glad I did. <laughs> and he, he, this is a funny. PPS. Rob, have you done any voice acting? You sound very familiar. Man, I've not. Should I, should I, Josh? You know what? I think you should because <laughs> I remember when me and Nicole were talking about you specifically. Uh-oh. It was like it was the first podcast that we had been on together, and – I had told Nicole, it's like, Rob's a really nice guy. He's really informative, really patient with me rambling. And That's only because I ramble more. Yeah, right? <laughs> you ramble louder. Uh, so. True, true. But I told Nicole, it's like, there's just one weird thing. And she says, what? I said, looking at Rob's picture and hearing his voice, Rob's voice doesn't look like it should come out of Rob's face. <laughs> really? Yeah, you just don't look like you would sound, hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the Wheel of Fortune. You know, <laughs> you sound wow. like a game show host. Well, you know, I, I don't know where, where um, I don't know. I, I never really thought about that until I was podcasting and uh, um, people had said, you know, hey, if, you know, you, you said you got a good radio voice. And I never really thought about it before, but I don't, I, do. I don't really have uh, a, a specific accent. I kind of sound boring and normal. You, you sound know? American. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of have yeah. that, uh, I don't know what it's called, that Midwestern kind of just not really an accent at all. I don't sound like I'm from Joycey, and, uh, you know, I don't sound Southern, so I don't know what it is, but I love doing certain impressions, but I'm not really that 
uh, I don't have a, a range. Like, I don't know if I could do voice acting, but I've if kind you, of... If you could be Corey Feldman all the time, that would be great. <laughs> that would be that would be your calling. You were expecting maybe the Adams Family? <laughs> yeah, there, there it is. See? Like, if they ever just make a Ninja Turtles audio drama, and all you had to say was that line is Donatello. <laughs> just Donatello! Shredder's incoming! We need that weapon you created! You uh... think I am the Adams Family? <laughs> Why does it keep saying that? <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to do that. But you know, Philip, thank you so much for the kind email. And that was and a great email. Oh, it was, and it's so interesting to see the contrast in, in what he grew up with. And I, I thought it was really interesting that when he came to the United States, he saw all these different figures that weren't in the UK uh, at the time. So, man, what a, what an interesting way to grow up and. Um, you know, I, I thought it was also interesting that he just he wasn't big on the 2003 cartoon, you know, and it's just now giving it a try. Um, so, you know, yeah. it, it's it's neat the way, you know, different perspectives uh, in, in how people view the turtles and how they grew up with them. Yeah, it's great to see such love for the Nickelodeon cartoon as well. Yeah. And, you know, I almost have the opposite reaction with the uh, the 2003 cartoon. It's like I love the theme song just because it's what a bunch of teenagers would sing about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A bunch of teenagers that are just cowabunga and pizza time all the time. You know, that's that's exactly what they would do. It sounds like if Michelangelo wrote the theme song. <laughs> but, like, the, the 2003 series is just kind of, it seems like it's trying to be too serious. Oh, true. Sometimes. True. Which, and, you know, and what that is is just angst. I'm like, I, I really don't like angst a lot. <laughs> you know, it's just, calm down, you'll be fine. There's <laughs> plenty of that in the real world. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just and being a parent is what makes me do that. It's just you'll be fine, all yeah. right. Just, just <laughs> knock it down. off. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to watch Rob on the wheel. All right. <laughs> oh, Rob oh, is gosh. hosting. Rob is hosting. You know, Omek in the hidden hidden temple this week. So. <laughs> all right, I gotta ask you a question. All right, so so you say that I don't look like how I sound. So do an impression of how you think I should sound based on my picture. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um. Oh, I gotta think of something to say. I'm just curious, man. Just because I've never just, heard that before. Curious. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think you just because you're kind of you're kind of a built dude. You're pretty broad. Oh, thanks, man. So I appreciate you it. look like <laughs> you look like you're just a giant meathead. <laughs> and Rob, I love you, brother. I do. Sure. I don't mean that in a negative, but you kind of. You kind of sound like John. You kind of look like you should sound like John Cena. Well, all right. Actually, that's a compliment. Yeah, I like John Cena. <laughs> Me you know, too. Like, I, I, I like that dude. He, you know, he should be like a DC or Marvel superhero sometime. You know, I don't know why he's not. <laughs> well, but like, it just kind of. Uh, hey man, you don't want to eat too much pizza, you know, because you gotta you gotta carb load, but then you gotta <laughs> make sure you expel some of that. You know, that's why. That's why I have I have my creatinine powder, and I mix it with my orange juice. <laughs> And then I drink it, and it looks like the purple ooze. Well, just tell know? me I'm not a Guido, okay? I, they're they're no, the worst. No. <laughs> Spray tan and fist pumping. <laughs> yeah, gym tan and laundry, man. That's what it's all about, you know? Oh, gosh, that's Going pretty to the funny. gym 90 minutes a day working on my fitness level. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that's great. Well, th thank you, man. I, in, in a weird way, I took that as a compliment. Yeah, you should, yeah. <laughs> just It would make me look better, yeah. Okay. So. sounds good. Hello, Violators. You're in Casey's Comic Classroom. Prepare to be screwed. All right, so, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of Turtle Flakes Presents, the IDW Mutation Station, featuring 
TMNT universe this week. Boy, that was All good. Right. I didn't even have to prompt you for it. Yeah, well, well, you're on a time crunch. You know, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was good. That was really good. No, so this issue is this is a brand new series in the IDW universe. This is called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Universe Issue One, and it is written by Paul Allor. Artist is Damien. Oh man, I cannot say this dude's last Can name. Curcio. 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 Yeah, and then of course colors by Rhonda Patterson. Patterson. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And Paul Aller, didn't he do Mutanimals? You know? I think he I, did. I, he's, you know what? I, I think so, but I also think he probably did um, history, Secret History of the Foot Clan because oh, in the yeah. digital issue anyway, I don't know about the print one, the very last couple of pages are a preview of Secret History of the Foot Clan. And that comic series is like three years old by now. So I think, actually, I have it right here. I should just look it up but like Rhonda Patterson another colorist that's just super busy on Ninja Turtles man no kidding she, I think she I think she colored every single one of the IDW comics so far or at least, at least uh, the, definitely from the main run and, and then obviously this and I want to say she did Mutanimals too I think yeah this is definitely the Mutanimals the Mutanimals artwork yeah oh yeah and then um, I know she colored a lot of the color classics too or not the um, yeah yeah the color classics and the um Oh, what am I thinking of? Oh, the adventures when they when they did the trades. Yeah, uh, I think she colored those too. So she's done a lot of coloring, and that's a huge tribute to her because they look great. Everything she's done, and it's all consistent. Really pops. She yeah, she's definitely got a lot of experience and knows what she's doing. Keep her happy. Keep her on this series yeah. on any yeah. series. I was wrong. Secret history of the Foot Clan was actually written by uh, Matias Sanaluco. Oh, was so. written by him. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Did he draw it too? And I'm going to check that right now. Yeah, he wrote Andrew Secret History of the Foot Clown. I did not know that. Well, yeah, uh, so th this story, I don't even know really where to begin because th this one's the style is definitely writ uh, style's a little bit different from what we're used to in the IDW run. It starts off with action right away, and I didn't, to be honest with you, I had no idea who was talking. I still am not quite sure who's giving this monologue at the very very beginning. Did, did you figure that out? Yeah, that is, let's see, it begins with Agent Bishop. That's Bishop, okay. Yeah, who was in the 2003 series. He was in, I think he was in Volume 4 a couple of times. Or, no, he was, he was in Volume 2. Uh, volume 2 was 13 issues long. It was the... Uh, the first full-color Mirage TMNT book. Agent Bishop is a government agent, obviously, who is very, very interested in mutants. He wants to round up as many as he can and test them. You know, And he is talking to Officer Lewis, who is a police officer that has some history with the Ninja Turtles, mostly with Casey Jones. I'm blanking on her first name. But because uh, Bishop just keeps calling her Detective Lewis. So, but she really doesn't care about the Ninja Turtles. It's kind of like she looks at them as, well, they're fighting crime. They're kind of helping us out. Why give them any more guff? And a reason as to why she's working with Agent Bishop, I don't know. Because I don't think they really go into that yet. All they know, all, all we know as readers is that Bishop wants to capture 
specifically the Ninja Turtles, but he wants to capture mutants. Uh, yeah, he because he's part of like the Human Federation or something like that. I guess kickstarting this federation right now. And exactly. I remember him being a pretty serious foe in the 2003 series. I, I've not watched since I was a teenager, but yeah, um, I remember him. For some reason, I want to say he was very, very old too. Like he was hundreds of years old, actually. Um, and okay. I, I, I can't remember how though. I don't know if he has some kind of weird mutagen thing going on there or if it's a mag- mystical element but there's something about him i know he's hundreds of years old and yeah. he's kind of I superhuman he maybe that's it maybe that's what i'm thinking i can't remember the specifics but he is he's a pretty intimidating foe and i know he's yeah. he's in a several seasons so he's not like a monster of the month kind of villain. yeah he was he was right there with like shredder and rat king yeah and, yeah so this guy yeah. to, to bring him back in comic form um, this guy is going to be a pretty serious threat. You got to wonder what's going on, yeah. Because, I mean, Agent Bishop was also in the Nickelodeon series, too. He was a Krang that was kind of converted. Oh. To, uh, I think he was a Krang because he realized that the Triceraton army was coming, so he was trying to work with the Turtles to prevent all of it. Oh, wow. If I remember correctly, I mean, listeners, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not well versed in the Nickelodeon series, so I'm not either. I I, I like the show, but I've not seen every episode. No, not yeah, yet. I like it, and I don't think I'll ever watch every single episode just because time. You know, just, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna one day. I want to get through the first season, but that's I don't know, and we'll see how it goes from there. But cool. then. Right away, we get to my favorite part of this issue, where it's just the four turtles hanging out on a rooftop. They love it up there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, where else? I mean, it makes sense. You you grow up underground. When you get out, you want to be as high as you can. You ah, know? true. Ah, deep thoughts. Deep thoughts from Josh O'Rourke. Air air is pure. You know, just be around the lights. Whatever. It's pretty cool, I think. But uh, Agent Bishop is tracking a mutant, who at first I thought was Alapex, because you just see the silhouette of this. Mutant with a tail. I thought so I the like, same thing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're getting right to this, though. But the Ninja Turtles are hanging out on this rooftop, and Michelangelo and Donatello have the best ex- dialogue exchange in this whole book where they're trying to figure out who has the better weapon. <laughs> where Michelangelo's like, you just have a stick. That's just, what do you do with a stick? And Mike Donatello says, you have two sticks connected by a chain. <laughs> Ooh, a chain. Ooh. And then he immediately hits himself in the face with a nunchuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love so, And then Raph- Leonardo and Raphael are just monitoring something. And Leonardo is just saying, like, this is nice. It's been so long since all of us have been on patrol together. I've really missed this. And Raphael's like, you know what? I missed it too, but we don't have time to talk about that right now. So let's just... He's all about business. Yeah, true. And you find out why, because he's kind of dealing with something internally that he just, he doesn't want to talk about for whatever reason. Maybe he just thinks it'll display weakness, or maybe he's just embarrassed by it. Um, And then Michelangelo notices that there's a droid, I don't know what it is, but that's just, it's a droid uh, that's breaking into the very building that they're standing on top of, and Michelangelo's like, uh... What's that over there? And you just see this orb with arms, basically, tear off an air conditioning vent. And where they're at is they're adjacent to the TCRI building. Okay, yeah, I was wondering what that was. And the turtles are listening for April. April is actually in the TCRI laboratories 
uh, to interrogate Baxter Stockman. Baxter's been missing since, I want to say, issue 49, 48 or 49. So does this take place, I mean, what timeline is this? Does this take place right after issue 60? I mean, or, I mean, I don't know, because Michelangelo, according to the main run, he's already gone off, but yet they're together in this one. So I don't, I'm a little fuzzy on the timeline here. Yeah, and and happily with them, too. I mean, he's, he's... He's not saying, like, okay, I'm helping you, but don't tell Splinter I was here or anything like that. Right. It almost seems like this is before that happens in the IDW run. It seems like it, but it's it's obviously after issue 50. Right. Which was when he left, but then, I don't know, it's, it's after issue 50, in my opinion, because Leonardo's talking about how good it is to have everyone back together again. True, yes. And they've been separated for a while, with the exception of the Leatherhead storyline. Um, ah, I mean, true. because in between issue 50 and 51, when the series kind of went to the next storyline, you don't necessarily know how much time there was in between. Because, I mean, at, for an, for example, uh, after issue 50, all of a sudden, if you read Bebop and Rocksteady Destroy Everything, they're living in Brazil, of all places. <laughs> it's just like... How did you guys get there? You know <laughs> what happened? What did I miss? <laughs> yeah, and by the way, Bebop and Rocksteady Destroy Everything is one of the best series, side series in this book, in this IDW. No run. kidding. I- I've got it, the first one, but I've not read the whole thing yet. It is hilarious <laughs> because they end up doing time travel stuff and they meet themselves before they were mutated, and it's oh oh it's, no way. It's hilarious. It's really it's a lot of fun. We'll have to review that soon. Oh yeah, I I would love to. Yeah, the the trade paperback comes out this month. Oh, so. okay, great. I might have to pick that up. Yeah. So so, so what does April want Baxter for? I can't. Rem- she's wanting Baxter to create something new, but I can't remember what it was she wanted. Yeah, from she wants Baxter to work with her. Uh, she specifically mentions that she was useful to him once. She can be useful again. Right. Because. Baxter will need protection from whatever there is around, whatever is going around. And you see a very quick glimpse of the new villain, one of the new villains uh, within at least the TMNT universe storyline, which is, I think her her name is Madame Null. Yeah, Null, yeah. She looks like a demon. She is a demon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A straight-up actual demon. And she runs Null Industries. I don't really know how she does board meetings looking the way she does. <laughs> I was going to say, she, had, she yeah. does have a pretty uh, fancy business attire, though. Yeah, she looks good. Yeah, yeah. she oh, yeah. she definitely Very puts some time in on the treadmill, you know. Oh, absolutely. Must keep in shape, you know. But I think, I want to say she was in the 2003 series. At least Null Industries was. Yeah, she looks familiar. I don't yeah. remember from what, but she does look familiar. So this is this series seems to be... Borrowing very heavily from the 2003 series, just with Null and with uh, Agent Bishop. And there is another villain that's kind of, she sent this other mutant out. I don't know if she's a mutant or a, or a demon too, but like, she's a scorpion, this mutant that is, that is being tracked by Agent Bishop. Yeah, she looks Bishop. awesome, by the way. She looks amazing, and she has probably the goriest scene that I think has ever been in any of these books. Oh, true, yeah, yeah, where she... Now, she breaks into the TCRI lab, and are these scientists she's killing? Uh, security guards. Security guards, yeah. And she yeah. literally, 
I mean, it's there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. There's like seven or eight guys in this one panel, and she's impaling one uh, on her with, tail. Oh yeah, on a tail, and then yeah. oh man. And I she's mean, she goes Friday the Thirteenth on these people. I mean, it is probably it is probably the goriest scene, like the mo- at least the most violent scene I have ever seen in this book. And there's an issue where Shredder gets his head cut off. Spoilers, you know, you know. It's just this is probably just like. The stakes have been raised. Definitely. The only other thing I think of, but I don't think it was as bloody as this, but was the deviations issue. That's oh, the, yeah. But I, I don't yeah. think you. I don't remember them showing as much blood as this did, and I was really surprised. And the turtles actually walk in on this, and they're like, "Oh crap!" Yeah, they are shocked. <laughs> like, dang, yeah. who is this chick? <laughs> yeah, and I kind of think that since this isn't technically the main series, they can get away with a little bit more. I agree. Yeah. But it's still definitely sticking to the PG thirteen stuff because you don't. I mean, which is fun, which is good because that's what yeah. this whole series has been so far. Don't break away from it now because it's just going to seem out of character for it. You know, all of a sudden, if you're reading it and it's an image book, it's just it's not going to make sense. Well, my my question is, what's going on here? Because you got Madame Null who is kind of sitting, uh, you know, at a desk. She's communicating with this scorpion chick. All right. And she's saying, "Oh, you did a great job, whatever." But why is she? Why is this scorpion lady? I forget her name. Why is she killing all these security guards? Is it because of? I, it, basically, what I'm trying to ask is, are they against what these scientists are doing with the mutagen, or are they trying to take the mutagen for themselves for their own I reasons? Honestly, I honestly don't think that they mention it because I'm looking at it right here, and it's the only time you see Madame Null in this book, and. The scorpion lady, I don't know what her name is, um, she's downloading information from a computer in this laboratory. And the only reason that she kills all the security guards is because they're threatening her. Because they they all have guns drawn, they're going to kill her. So she's like, okay, well, if you're going to try and kill me, I'm going to take you out. Which is respectable. (laughs) Because I kind of... the impaling thing, yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? If it's it's kind of like, you know, my dad always used to tar- used to tell me, you know, don't start none and there won't be none. So if they just kind of looked in there and just said, I don't see anything, she probably would have <laughs> just dipped out and would nobody would have been hurt. True. But because of all this carnage, they alert the turtles. Mm-hmm. And actually, it kind of looks like uh, in between an exchange between April and Baxter, it kind of looked like Baxter was going to try and kill April. Yeah, yeah, he seemed very aggressive towards her. Yeah, and... like, really, why would you trust this guy? You know, I mean, why have him... Just, he's such a snake. I hate him. Just get rid of this guy. (laughs) You know, I know you need him for a villain, but it's just like, it would just make me so happy if you killed him. Like, happier than it would be if the Street Phantoms just phased (laughs) off a cliff. And I know how you feel about the Street Phantoms, so... Oh, they suck. Anyway... (laughs) All, all due respect to the IDW curators. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's crazy. So the turtles, they chase this uh, scorpion lady who, like I said, looks great. She's got vampire teeth, these bug eyes, and, of course, that huge uh, claw tail. Oh, so, God, I would love a figure of this character. Yeah, oh, she yeah. She good. Yeah, she yeah, looks she great. She looks awesome. So Michelangelo tackles her – or no, I think it was Raphael – tackles her out the window. Out they, the window. Yeah, so they bust through a window, and outside – are Bishop and some of his guys. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they were tracking the house too, maybe because they were aware that there was a mutant in there. 
And I want to say this is the same group of guys that if you remember issue 50, there was this paramilitary dude who was just monitoring the turtles and monitoring the mute animals. Ooh. And he was talking on the, on his radio to somebody about, you know, do you want me to engage? And they're like, nope, just survey. He's like, okay, roger that. Mm. And just the whole, you saw him like three or four times throughout issue 51. And I want to say, it's not Blackwater, but it's something like Blackwater. It's, yeah. uh, it is a paramilitary government group that I think Bishop is behind all of it. Ah, so, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Michelangelo, or actually, I think a big chunk, I think almost all the turtles, they get hit with these tranquilizer darts. They all get they get hit in the shells. Donatello's the or um yeah Donatello is the only one that gets hit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he's the only one that actually gets the the, the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know the turtles, the scorpion lady, she literally just hops up a building and starts cr- you know crawling away as the turtles get hit and they're trying to make their escape. And poor Donatello has to be carried away from Agent Bishop. And uh, yeah. Bishop's not happy. He wants all of them captured uh, for some particular reason. He's got a great scene where the turtles pick each other, pick themselves up, and go into the TCRI building, and then they have to. They mention that they ha- they also have to find April and get her out of there. And Bishop has this great line about you know, call in for reinforcements, and somebody asks him how many, and Bishop has his Gary Oldman moment, and he's just like all of them, <laughs> everyone. And then he starts uh, speaking over a loudspeaker within the building from Bishop from his car outside. And I'm just going to read this exchange if you don't mind. Oh, go ahead. Bishop says, and you see the four turtles, you see April and Baxter, and you see the scorpion lady all listening to what Bishop is saying. And he says, attention mutants, this is Agent Bishop of the Earth Protection Force. So you called it. Yeah. I'm that Uh, good. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, then he says, on behalf of the human race, Hereby declare you enemy combatants and ordering you to surrender willingly. Do so, and you will be treated in accordance with the laws and customs of war. Fail to do so, and you will be killed. That is all. That's insane. It's just like, because I don't think you've had anyone since Shredder just tell, up, tell the turtles, just, hey, stop what you're doing or you're going to die. That's just, yeah. that's it. That's yeah. It. yeah, and he's got a whole army behind him. And I'm wondering if they'll kind of play almost like the X-Men route where there's going to be this huge, huge mutant kind of controversy. You know, are they are they safe for mankind? Can they coexist with mankind? You know, and then have Bishop kind of play almost like this political figure and, and, yeah. and spread this panic, you know, just to kind of eradicate all the mutants. You, you know kind what I'm like saying? William Stryker in the movie. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Get everyone afraid of these mutants to where Bishop has the people's support in eradicating everybody. That would be something that the Turtles comics have kind of never done before. Yeah, I'd love to yeah, see something because like that. Because it was just kind of like, you know, we stay in the shadows. That's it. We don't, we talk to April and we talk to Casey. That's really the only humans we deal with. You know? It was very, very rare for them to deal with people, you know? And outside of fighting the Foot Clan or fighting a group of hunters in Northampton or whatever. Yeah. So it it would be a really cool route for them to go where all of a sudden they've got public opinion either for them or against them. Because the only time they ever dealt with people was all the way in the fourth volume when they just acted like they were part of the alien race that landed on Earth. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't so... Pu- I mean, in Volume 4, it was public that they were all mutants, but, you know, it's like the world accepted that. But this could be an interesting yeah. take. You know, the world's not ready for mutants to be walking around. Yeah, this is very much a, a battle that... I mean, like, every Turtles issue, they're never out during the day. There's not one issue where they're outside and it's not nighttime. Ah, true. Yeah. You know, so... And there's only... I think there's, a, there's, I think there's like, four people that know about the Turtles. That's it. And five people, April's parents, April, Casey, and the pizza, the pizza hut dude that Michelangelo's friends with. Yeah, yeah. Anth- or Tony or something like that, I think it was. Something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I love, I love Raphael here. So he's cradling Donatello. Um, this is right after Bishop gives his speech, and I love this kind of monologue he has. And here's what it says. It's like, no matter what we do, there are always more enemies, more threats, more people trying to kill us. We need to protect April. We need to protect each other. But we can't do that if we don't even survive. Our enemies just keep getting stronger. So we need to be stronger. Because every day, there are more people who want us dead. And it's never going to stop. All right? yeah. That's how it ends. And uh, it's kind of interesting cutaways during this monologue. you got a one panel of um, Scorpion Lady. You know, She's still in that building. And then you got one panel of April showing Stockman... Um, all this machinery that we don't know what for yet. They look they all, like especially the one in the left corner. It looks almost like a mech, you know, like a. I rope. was just thinking, like, yeah, you're seeing his mech suit, and then you're seeing armaments all around it. Yeah, it looks really cool. And I'm like, what are they yeah. gonna do with that? Well, you know, he every other every every now and then you see before he was turned into a fly, especially in the uh, Nickelodeon series, he was always in a big mech suit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, so he's just gonna just jump through a wall and take on the government I guess yeah now okay this be interesting do you think Baxter as shady as he's been through the entire IDW run could he turn good nope, nope. I don't think so either I, I think he, I, I don't think you could turn him at this point because he's such a untrustworthy character yeah like you know even if he was good I wouldn't believe it you know I'd be like this okay guy... well eventually they're gonna he's gonna turn eventually they're gonna write him bad again yeah, it's like this guy had he had the gumption to double cross Krang and Shredder <laughs> yep. and the Mutanimals and and then and then and then and then. You know, it's just it, no, there there is no um goodness in this guy. He is out for number one and he believes he's above everybody. And, and I think that's what I hate about Baxter so much. It's just like I love this character because he makes I love that I I hate that I love this character. <laughs> yeah, I know. Or I, know. I love that I hate him. One of those is right because he just he does nothing but just look down on everybody. He looked down on Shredder. He was above Shredder in his mind. Yeah, he's about the only villain that will backtalk and you know the major villains. You yeah, know what I'm anybody. saying. Yeah, he just he does not care, yeah. and he's not really like a sniveling coward like the uh, Baxter from the cartoon or anything like that, yeah. or, or or the one from the Nickelodeon series. I mean, this guy yeah. he like you said he's out for number one. He's not a, really afraid of everyone, and to his credit, he's a brilliant man. He he somehow yeah. he finds a way to survive in every single issue, and usually, literally, it's just him walking away, which is kind of cool. You know. Yeah, I mean, you and I, we just actually uh, talked about an issue. It was issue eight, I think, where mm-hmm. literally Krang was in his office, and he wants results. 
He was in his apartment. Yeah, his his. Uh, he broke yeah. into his home and was waiting for him. I was like, dude, that guy's. How do you? The get only away from thing that? worse he could have done is start drinking your beer in front of you. You know. <laughs> just... Yeah, and somehow Baxter, what fifty two more issues have come out since then, and he's fine. Yeah, he got away again. He got away. He always he's a survivor. You know, he always finds a way. But uh, he, but he is the he's the smartest man in the room. You know, he yeah. will figure a way out. You know, absolutely. And then we get uh, so that's the end of that issue, and then we get this interesting kind of Leonardo story. Um, yeah. Not really sure what's going on here. Um, yeah, it's called Inside Out. Yeah, artwork looks great, really gritty, and he's fighting these enemies, and he's kind of having a monologue the whole time, and kind of classic Turtles fashion. Yeah, and it looks like this one was written by Kevin Eastman. Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting, and the artwork looks great. I guess it's the same artist, but it's a little bit grittier. Now I got a question for you. The guy mm-hmm. with the four arms, that's not Shogun from the Turtles 2 arcade game? Um, no. Okay. I don't, well, I don't, it could be. It sure I looks like it. It, it does, I mean, outside of the four arm thing. Um, well, didn't because he have four arms? Couple, no, he didn't. Oh, okay, my bad then. I, I'm because there's that. a couple of, there's a couple of these big Oni looking guys where there's one with the four arms, there's that one with the, the weird high hat with the three visors on it, you know. There's there's a couple of them here, and I kind of thought they were hearkening back to you. Remember the Return to New York storyline? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Long where they fought ago. the imitation shredders, kind of a thing. Where one was really little and one had four arms, and one was really tall. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Wow. And I kind of think that these are based on those. Not that they are those, but I think they're based on that. Because he's fighting, I think it's. I think he's fighting the Foot Clan, but or just like remnants of the Foot Clan, or you know, just like we're still loyal to the Shredder, we're not going to follow you, kind of a thing. Um, because I don't know what other ninjas he could be fighting. He's not fighting, you know, the Purple Dragons aren't ninjas in this series. Uh, it's not the Savat because they're all gone. And he kills. So, he, I think he kills those two guys, doesn't he? He kills he, like this is like the most Raphael. Leonardo has ever been, yeah. you know, because he's like chopping off arms, he's cutting off heads. Oh yeah, and he goes at the very end, he's like class dismissed. Yeah, there's <laughs> like I almost wanted to hear like the Michael Scott line, like we're gonna need to clean up on aisle five. Oh, God. <laughs> Michael Scoon or whatever. Or Michael Scarn. <laughs> yeah, Michael Scar, and that's what it is. Oh god! Like, Didn't the president just try to kill you? Yeah, don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of it, he blows up Toby's head yeah. so. over and over again. Yeah, he's like, that was the most expensive special effect, but it was completely worth it. <laughs> but yeah, so so what do you think of this whole issue? I mean, because there's a this is a it's a lot different from what we're used to. Oh, I know. I I loved this more than the the issue pre- preceding it. You know, I kind of I kind of like. Oh this wow, one. really? Yeah, I did. Not because I don't think it's a better story. I think the better story is the the one in TCRI with Agent Bishop. But just for. <laughs> just for an action movie, this is like the Expendables version of Leonardo. He's just like <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Just slice, slice, chop, chop. You know, just whatever. <laughs> he's chopping off arms. He's cutting off heads. This is this is the Leonardo that everybody our age kind of wants to see. That you'll know you'll never see anywhere but a comic. True. Very true. <laughs> you know, and I kind of I kind of like this this Leonardo that's just kind of like well. I know I'm not killing people, so I'm just going to go crazy. So, 
It's yeah. kind of like whenever Batman fights an alien. It's like, I don't care about aliens. They're not people. I won't kill people. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'll kill Darkseid, you know, right. but I won't kill Joe Chill or anything. <laughs> well, now, I wonder like, I wonder if they're going to do this from now on where you have your main storyline being about three-quarters of the comic book, and then you get a short yeah. story. Mm-hmm. Well, sweet, man. So uh, so what do you think about this this issue as a whole, TMNT Universe as a whole? I mean, how many how many slices of pizza would you give it? I'd give this like a, a really good solid eight. Oh, nice. You know, wow. This is a really good solid opener. It it uh it leaves you wanting to know more. You're happy to see there's some new characters, uh, some new characters uh, that were old characters seen in a new way, I should say. Um, a great scene with Raphael because you'd never expect that admission from Raphael. I don't think. Yeah, very true. Um, at least not just so openly. Like, that's something he would say to Splinter, not everyone else. You know? Um, but yeah, I really like this one. It, it it was a good palate cleanser. You know? It's, it seems to be not beholden by the baggage uh, that 61 plus comics will give you. Uh, but uh, you know that it stems from that. So Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, honestly, when I first read it, I had no idea what was going on because I couldn't yeah. remember Agent Bishop. I, you know, eventually I, I remembered, but when I first read it, I was like, I don't know what's going on here, and I was a little kind of put off by it because of that. But the more mm-hmm. I kind of soaked my or sunk my teeth into it, uh, the more I really kind of appreciated that it's it's very it's a stark contrast from what we're used to in the IDW run. Artwork's great. The storytelling. My only gripe with it is, is it seemed really really short. It seemed yeah. like not a whole a lot happened. In a, I guess, a short amount of time. I guess uh, it's it's hard to explain, but it's only uh, like a twenty-page issue, and then you got your short short story at the end. So yeah, yeah, the issue as a whole is twenty-five pages. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and the main issue is only twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. So it uh, it goes by very very quickly because I was reading, and I was like, whoa, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's it is a quick read, and yeah, and I'm okay with that because. This one seems to be more action-oriented. You know, you've got great introduction, great little bit of exposition, great bad guy, but then it's just fights, just fighting, and ninja hijinks ensue. It's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool issue. I was a little disappointed that it's just going to be another extension. I, I, I think that this is going to be another kind of secret history of the Foot Clan or Mutanimals or... Villains compilation is just going to be another side series. Oh, really? So you don't think this will be ongoing for a long time? Oh, no, no, no. It It is ongoing, but yeah. it's just going to be parallel to the story that we're already telling. You know, I was I was kind of hoping for um, it to be like the original Tales of the TMNT, where it was while they were in Northampton, this happened, oh, or true. while they were after Return to New York, this happened, or right. when they were... There was a small section of the timeline in the Mirage continuity where they were living in Springfield, uh, Ohio. Yeah. And it was just like, this is what happened there, you know? And this is nobody, and this is, you know, time travel. And, you know, <laughs> I think, like, one of my favorite tales of the TMNT episode, or issues ended with them in, like, the year 3000 B.C. or something like that. <laughs> or, um, like, yeah, B.C., like in dinosaur time and <laughs> Michelangelo and Renette and the turtles are 
playing basketball like with a rock basically but <laughs> Raphael is he says that he's going to give an archaeologist a heart attack and he chisels on a giant mountain on a mountain uh Fred and Wilma forever <laughs> this is one of my favorite things and um I was kind of hoping that this series would be the offshoot series where it's just crazy anything can happen but this story was told so well, and my interest was peaked so highly that I was like, you know what? It doesn't need to be anything different. It can be a parallel storyline with the current IDW storyline. Right. So it's and, and and nothing is certainly nothing stopping the IDW series from veering off in whatever direction it wants. So I I I kind of like where this series is going. It's a good introduction. My interest is peaked. Can't wait. What else do they got? What yeah. What are they going to do next? Absolutely, man. So, to close out today's episode, my friend, what slice of pizza? Which, uh, what type of pizza? I should say. Should we have today? Okay. You know what? I want. You know, there was there was this pizza I had when I was a little kid. It, it's pizza in air quotes. It was basically <laughs> a giant pancake, and Ooh. it had bacon and sausage in the pancake, and Ooh. then you had. Uh, a runny egg over it. <laughs> syrup, butter, go. So oh my gosh! Ridiculous breakfast pizza. That's what we're having. So okay, well, well, <laughs> I don't even know how to put that in words. Okay, uh, <laughs> all right, dudes and dudettes. Well, here's the hope you enjoy your pancake filled with sausage and bacon and uh, runny eggs on top pizza. It's the only it's the only pizza where it's okay to eat with a knife and fork. Absolutely, the only one. Yes, if you do, yes. if you eat with a knife and fork, uh, with any other time, that that's just unacceptable. We're coming for you. Yeah, <laughs> we're coming for you. <laughs> It'd be the Rob and Josh show on your face. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, all right, all right. Do that. Well, uh, Calabunga, and we will talk to you next week. Calabunga. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I talked over you. <laughs> <laughs> you already said it. I know. So. I know what you did. Magic edit. Do it again. Okay. Cowbunga. Oh, we did it again. Okay, I'll say cowbunga, but you say cowbunga. Okay. Cowbunga, dude. Cowbunga, everyone. Oh, man. Well, uh, shall we get into the comic, my friend? I've only got like a half hour left. Yeah, I think we've, we've been trying to get this comic going for like an hour now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping you can carry me because I still really don't know the plot too well from what I remember. This is very much an introduction issue. It so certainly is. It certainly is. If, I think we'll just uh, we'll talk very broadly about it because I love that. What else would our listeners expect from us? Yeah, us to actually try? Get out of here. Yeah, right. Forget yeah. about it. Efforts, whatever. <laughs> it was like, you know, that... that that's fine. Yeah. You know, now you're an adult. It's like, oh, well, if it ain't 1080p. Yeah. <laughs> get it out of here. It, it, get that stuff out if of my house. If it ain't 1080p, right it ain't for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's another good one. Yeah. Revelations 2. Resident Evil Revelations 2 is a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. I hear. I think Barry's in that one, isn't he? Yeah. Barry is. It's. Uh, you switch back and forth between Claire and Barry. Ooh. Yeah. That's not, that, I think that combo's not been. That's never before. been done. Yeah, Barry's not been in a game since yes. uh, Resident Evil Three. He was at he was in the ending, the good ending of Resident Evil Three. Nemesis. He was. Yes. Nemesis? No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. If you uh, when you're 
escaping the city is Jill if you have Carlos with you because mm-hmm. I think he can die. Oh. And if you do it in a certain amount of time, like the three-hour rule in all the early Resident Evil games, and you beat it before three hours is up. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, you get, a helicopter comes down to take you out of Raccoon City before that. Atomic Bomb shows up, and the helicopter pilot is Barry. Oh, no way. Yeah. Does he say, I hope you didn't become a Carlos sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the greatest. <laughs> Oh, oh man, yeah, but he's in that game, and he was also in a game called Resident Evil Gaiden, which was yes, really that was for the Game Boy. Yes, I was yeah. about to say that's the only one I remember from, aside from the first one. Yeah, it was him and Leon, but that game is not canon. So that's what they say, and that that game wasn't particularly good game, from what I remember. I I've never played uh, any of the Resident Evil Game Boy games except for the first Revelations game, so, which was good. And, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. And then it came out on PlayStation, and I never played it on my DS ever again. <laughs> so, because I got it on my PS3. Yeah, I, I got mine. I kind of, you know, kind of stood out on limb on that one. I don't know if I like a Resident Evil game on the Game Boy. But I remember playing it and being really surprised at the controls and the graphics. And yeah. I, was, I was really impressed. Yeah, I just liked it because it was Chris and Jill again. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. seeing those two old school characters. Mm-hmm. Taking on the Umbrella Corps again. Right, and you still got the uh, over-the-shoulder kind of perspective instead of the tank controls, so I, I, was, yeah. I was okay with that. Which, I'm, I miss the tank controls. You do know? you really? Yeah, I do. Oh, I, see, not I, me. No, I hate them. I think Resident Evil should go back to the fixed camera angles, pre-render uh, background. Are you sure? Yes, yeah, because that's how I play the remake. Uh, or the remaster of the first game for the GameCube. Oh, okay. I played on tank controls just because I cannot play Resident Evil on with the analog sticks when it's the fixed perspective. I just cannot do it. It's I'm terrible at it. <laughs> what about that? But with it's tank controls, yeah. And it's like I mean, tank controls. I just I tank controls came really easy to me. Uh-huh. And. Uh, oh, in the game and in reality. Oh, so. that, that was a huge, gosh, that was a huge learning curve for me. Because I remember when I first, I think I think the first one I ever owned was the second game. And remember when you start out with the fire in Resident Evil 2? And you got to run right away? Oh my gosh. You kept running into the fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was terrible. I was awful oh, at it. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> eventually you just die. <laughs> they took being set on fire very well in those games. Just, ah. Oh, yeah. Ah. Ooh, ah, no, ah. Ah, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. This is not how I spend my afternoons. Well, I, I, I always cranked up when um, when Leon would get hurt, you know, and he'd be hobbling around because, you know, he'd be really low on health. Yeah. And then he'd stand up straight and perfect and energetic running up the stairs. You know? I know. <laughs> it's like, wow, he's cured. And then he'd go back to hobbling again. <laughs> yeah, I think... It kind of makes sense going upstairs because it's just the forward momentum. What really <laughs> sucks is when they're going downstairs and they're just not falling all over themselves. Right. <laughs> and yeah, but those were. I always thought that that was super annoying when like you were on danger and you're just limping around. It's oh, like, okay, so Steve wants you to die. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I was taking the the babies on the swing set yesterday. And Isaac really took to the to being swung around in the baby swing and everything, and so yeah, yeah. And then he tried Aww. getting out of it, and that wasn't fun. <laughs> what was really funny was when I was pushing Isaac on the swing, and Grayson wanted to have a turn. No, oh, yeah. She was running over, and I had pushed Isaac on the swing, so he's in an upward motion, 
and then Grayson accidentally fell. Uh -oh. And she gets up and she says, I'm okay. And she's in front of Isaac as he's Oh no! <laughs> and just boom! Oh. <laughs> and I'm Isaac, sorry, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> no, no, I was, I was already on the floor of laughing because it was hilarious. But Isaac had the biggest grin on his face. <laughs> When he was coming down, so he knew he what knew was, was going to happen. <laughs> and then when Grayson was on the ground, she was just laughing herself sick. She goes, I want to do it again. I was like, I kind of feel bad for having a, a two-year-old that's just like, hit me again. Hit me, do it. <laughs> First, awesome. a baby fight club is you don't come with a baba. 